Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion and social justice and religion and public life. I'm John Shuck, the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. And my guest today is Reverend Jacqueline Luck. She is the minister at the Holston Valley Universalist. Un- Unitarian <laughs> Universalist Church. <laughs> you know, I knew that. Yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> It is tricky to say all of the words there together. It is. In fact, so many people end up either saying Unitarian and leaving the Universalist part off, which is a shame because it's a big part of our tradition, or they just say you, you, and nobody really knows what they mean. So, Because Unitarian and Universalist are two streams. That's right. In truth, they are two theologies. And then in the United States and America, they developed, at least the universalist part, developed into the uh, universalist church. The Unitarian strain actually came from the Reformation. There were uh, Unitarians uh, in Europe. Uh, they, for the most part, identified as Socinian, but in the uh, Poland, Hungary, actually, actually Transylvania. When you trace back all the different countries, uh, there was uh, what we there was a man whom we now consider the first Unitarian minister, and his name is Francis David or David Frank, uh, and he uh, was the court uh, physician also for and chaplain for King John Sigismund of Transylvania. And so what year, this is 1500s? Yes. Okay, yes. so 1500s, right in Luther right and Calvin's time exactly. is when the Unitarian tradition starts right. with, with uh, da- what's his name again, David? Francis, Francis David. David. Okay. Right, and he's just the first one that claimed that name Unitarian because Unitarian, like I said, is a theology and it, it, it's, it's opposite to uh, Trinitarian Mm-hmm. thought, theology. And so Unitarian holds, uh, or the the belief mainly is the holding of the unity of God, that all is one. Okay. And that meant Jesus was uh, as a human being, not uh, as opposed uh, hi- to the Trinitarian. Yes, a human being. But at different times in our history, he, he's been described in different ways. So for, I think most of us today even would claim that he was a highly uh, spiritual and highly spiritually developed uh, human being. Um, we don't worship Jesus. We consider that all people are sons and daughters of the holy, of God, um, but he's held on high esteem. So is there a relationship then between Unitarian Universalist and Christianity? Yes. In fact, we our deep roots are Christian, for sure. And so from that point on, then, Unitarians and during the Reformation, um, Unitarians were uh, and Socinians um, were um, attacked, vilified, vilified, I guess, by both uh, uh, the Christian Church, the Protestants, and the Catholics, because in 325 we were declared to be a heresy. So, well, tell me about the that Universalist stream. Okay, the Universalist stream. Uh, we go back to origin on that. Another church father, uh-huh. uh, and he was very universalist in his beliefs. Um, and but the church didn't really develop until in America, in the United States. And um, 
John Murray is often accredited with being the father of universalism in uh, the U.S. Um, one of my favorites is Hosea Ballou, who uh, was writing um, universal theology in 1797, and he became Unitarian in theology. Um, anyway, um, universalists are often called, or have been called derisively, the no-hellers, and it was like some kind of horrible uh, thing to call no people. No belief in hell. No belief in hell. This sense that all people are saved. God is a loving God, and God would not destroy what God had created mm-hmm. um, in love and faith. And that was um, their fundamental belief. And out of that came one of our fundamental um, principles, the inherent worth and dignity of all people. And so universalists uh, spread more across the more rural areas of the United States. Unitarianism was essentially on the East Coast, uh, centered mostly in Boston, uh, 25 uh, Beacon Street. It's still our our headquarters. Um, So, but both groups were very uh, large. Universalism was the seventh largest denomination in the United States in the 1800s. Unitarianism was even larger than that, only I don't remember what number it was, but both of them were highly regarded, very large churches in the 1800s. Um, And then, I'm not knowing why, but uh, we've grown smaller, um, but we're on the upswing now, which is kind of interesting because other traditions are not so. Right. I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh-huh. Um, so the Unitarian and the Universalist stream then came together as yes. an association in the 60s, right. wasn't it? 1961, okay. they consolidated is the word they like to use, often mergers used, but trying to say we kept both identities um, but came together in, to join our strengths together as we move into the future. You know what I find is that it's very similar. Your seven principles and the eight principles uh-huh. or eight points of progressive Christianity. Yes. I'm finding it very close. And that's my congregation. It's Presbyterian, but it mm-hmm. is also uh, one of many who mm-hmm. are now becoming progressive Christians. And that almost the same thing. Um, of integrity of, of people, uh, welcoming of all people, mm-hmm. believers and agnostics, atheists, um, all sexual orientations, gender identities, uh, the way we, we behave towards one another is the fullest expression of, of what we believe and how we live in the world. That's it, exactly. So I, it seems to me that there's kind of a movement uh, that, yes. that is really a, a, a connection again. I think so. But I think that the Younger generations of people are are much less invested in um, this kind of you must be this way or else or or even uh, prejudices against uh, ways of being in this world, your sexual orientation, your skin color, your just any your gender, um, all of those um, gender in in. Uh, ministry, I was trying to say there. All of those things are, are almost irrelevant to a lot of our younger people, I think. Absolutely. And And w- when we stand open to those things, that's not argued in our churches. That's one thing we're solid about. And so I think young people are attracted to that. 
Well, I think in, in, in uh, East Tennessee and Southwest Virginia, uh, your congregation and, and perhaps my congregation mm-hmm. or other Unitarian yeah. Universalist congregations would be uh, a place where people go when they're looking for a new, and they've come, maybe perhaps come out of a, a religious tradition yeah. that might be a little more narrow and they want to expand yes. there. I, I have always thought that one of our main uh, missions in this world was healing wounded souls who have come from other churches and have felt greatly wounded or, or hurt. Sometimes we do such a good job of healing them that they're able to return. And that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of our mission too. But um, y- you know, one of the turning points in my own religious development was when I read a book by John A.T. Robinson called Oh God. And Honest to God. Honest to God. Thank Uh you. I'm going to the movie. (laughs) Honest to God. And in that, what I read and what I understood was, don't let what men, and we know predominantly, I'm probably totally, it was men that were writing these beliefs and dogmas and theologies. Don't let what men write about the holy and the sacred in this world, about your God, get between you and your relationship with the holy. Mm. And in many ways, I think that's exactly what we do in our Unitarian Universalist churches, too, we say. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Reverend Jacqueline Luck, who is the minister of the Holston Valley Unitarian Universalist Church in Gray, Tennessee. How many UU congregations do we have in this area? We've got, uh, there's one in Asheville. There are three in Knoxville. And there's me. In Abingdon, there is, uh, in Metaview, there's a fellowship, which means it does not have a minister, but they've been a lay-led fellowship for many years. Uh, They're fairly small, but... um, that's that's all we have around here. There are some um, famous UUs, yeah. including the inventor I noticed on the website of the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee, and yeah. folk singer Pete Seeger, who was just <laughs> in the news recently marching with the 99%. Right. And, uh, and one of my favorite authors, Kurt Vonnegut. Vonnegut. <laughs> yes. So who are some of your favorite UUs? Who's, who has influenced you? Well, you know, I... I st- I love history. So some of my favorite ones are those historical figures like William Ellery Channing. Uh, there's actually a, a statue to him in the Boston Commons. I don't think many people even know who he is today, and they walk right past him. He was he, he was such a um, marvelous leader in, in progressive Christian thought uh, in Boston and st- and we call him the father of Unitarianism, uh, that Hosea Ballou I mentioned, um, Elizabeth Stanton Cady, uh, Susan B. Anthony were all uh, Unitarians. And um, the thought was more that uh, prayer... I think it was uh, Susan B. Anthony that when she was questioned about prayer... and. And said, when do you pray? And she said, I pray every day, but I would I don't believe in a God that would want me to get on my knees and pray when I can be out using my hands and voice and feet to create justice in this world. I'm paraphrasing her, of course. But uh, so there is a strong strand of that in our tradition is that uh, justice making. Um, and that comes from the universalist, too. I, I was amazed um to learn as much as I did about what universalists were saying and doing uh, in the early 1900s, definitely against the death penalty, uh, uh, working for reforms in prisons, um, 
uh, schools, um, helping uh, early on, uh, right after slavery, uh, working with uh, trying to help uh, freed slaves and their children to get back into society and creating schools for them. And, uh, and the Unitarians were doing the same thing on the East Coast more. What is um, a worship service like? Typical service today, or do you, would you call it a worship service? I do. Worship. Uh, the, the root word is to give worth to. So we gather and worship to give worth to the things that we hold, ultimate, most holy. I I worship in the true sense of uh, any Protestant that said they worshipped. Our traditional uh, um, order of service is is a Protestant order of service. Mm-hmm. We have hymns, we have a prayer, we have um, readings, we have sermon. It's just that the the text, perhaps for the sermon, may be a Bible passage, or it may be a book, or it may be. That's it, right. It, it's you're you're free as a minister to choose whatever you wish to. I am totally to. free uh, as to what I preach uh, on. It, I'm, it says in our uh, letters of agreement that we have freedom of the pulpit and that the congregation has freedom of the pew, and that means that I preach what my conscience leads me to preach, and that the congregation has the freedom not. Uh, the right, the expectation that as they sit in the pew, they are going to consider uh, the words that I say and whether they work for their lives or not. Different from some congregations in which you would be expected to to believe what the minister is saying to you. Right. So, so we value questioning, mm-hmm. and 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 that that is a good thing, not a bad thing, um, and we uh, value using uh, rational thought and a biblical uh, bringing a rational thought and interpretation to the Bible when you're reading it. Not um, uh, it, we, we don't really uphold the inerrancy of the Bible. We don't read it literally. Um, but we also turn to other uh, world religions for their scripture readings. I often use poetry or just uh, a really inspiring something that I've read, seen, felt, mm-hmm. and, and base it on that. You mentioned uh, earlier talking about some of the persecution that mm-hmm. uh, you'd experienced in the Reformation time, and that still continues today with misunderstanding, and people yes. say the word heresy, but heresy really means just to choose. Right. But I, I know a few years ago, um, the tragedy of a man entered the Tennessee Valley UU Church in Knoxville, and and. and began right. shooting people, killing two people and wounding six others. And I know that you were involved uh, offering yes. pastoral care to the staff and to the congregation. Mm-hmm. Your congregation was connected with them. Yes. And then some of that, uh, I, I think the person probably had some mental illness going mm-hmm. on, but uh, he had written this manifesto or something saying the church had liberal views and, and that kind right. of thing. What what has happened? This was in 2008. What's happened since then with that congregation and... How is that affected? Well, first, then? one thing I want to uh, say, and then I'm, I'm happy to address that, is that this particular service was a service in which the, all three of the Unitarian churches in Knoxville had gathered. It was their children had been working all summer on uh, the drama Annie, and they were they were um, performing it at Tennessee Valley UU Church, uh, but it was for all the congregations. So people were there from various congregations. Um, And so the children were standing right there. They saw the shootings. They were blood splattered. Mm -hmm. 
sorry, it even affected me yeah. as I was speaking there. Mm-hmm. Um, one man, an usher, Greg McKendry, just deliberately stepped right in front of the the, the rifle uh, or the gun. I don't know what it was. It, it was a big... I think it was a shotgun. Shotgun. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm not... Uh, up on guns, <laughs> and uh, took the bullet uh, to, to prevent others from being killed and to give uh, the people in the congregation time to wrestle the man to the ground. So, yes, he was out to kill liberals, and he was incensed about liberals, and he said he knew where some liberals were, and so he was just going to go kill some. Um, he killed a grandmother. He killed a man that was willing to step in front of a gun for his congregation. I don't think he did the world any good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, but what that has done is truly it's drawn the congregation together. They're stronger mm-hmm. and more determined to be who they are in this world and to witness for that. Uh, in no way has have they stumbled, and they're an inspiration to me and to my congregation. Um, another thing I was so moved about was um, the way that the interfaith community gathered around them and, and even the people of Knoxville, maybe that were of no faith, everybody came to the Presbyterian church that was right next door to, that is right next door to TVUUC, and uh, in a candlelight memorial type service uh, to support um, that congregation. We, there were Muslims in the basement of the, uh, or in the kitchen area of TV, of uh, the Presbyterian church preparing food all day. They fed anybody that wanted to come there because, of course, the Unitarians, their church was taped off by the police. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't go to their church. So they were invited to come to the Presbyterian church. And then all these people of other faiths were there to to support them in so many beautiful ways. I saw Jews with their yarmulkes on. Like I said, there were Muslims. There were people of many different faiths. And I I know that because actually uh, one of the speakers asked people to hold their hands up and called out different traditions just to make that point that we, we don't stand beside any kind of that uh, well, it was just straight out murder. Mm-hmm. But choose, um, thinking that because someone doesn't have the same belief system or stands for different things than you do, you have the right to kill them. That is so un-American. It's so un. Well, and, un- and, anything. Right. Yeah. And it also is a sign of courage for your congregations. Uh, to be able to continue to do, to not back down from their stand of, of openness and social justice and welcoming. That's right. For example, your congregation as theirs, as, as my congregation, is mm-hmm. fully welcome to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender persons. That's right. What are right. some other social justice questions that, uh, or issues or programs that your congregation is involved in? Well, um, one of the things I want to say, and I'm kind of laughing because I know you've had some struggles on this, but we've been, uh, well, one, we've had uh, female ministers for 50, we're more than 51% female ministers now since uh, about 2000. And um, we've had gay, lesbian, and transgendered ministers for a long time, too. I, mm-hmm. I Not that long, I don't think. I, I think gay, uh, definitely, uh, but... Uh, we definitely have transgender ministers now, too, and some of the best ministers that I know. Um, 
in my specific church, right now we're focusing, uh, our theme is called Hunger in Our Neighborhood, and we've been working uh, with Hunger First, with Second Harvest. Uh, we support IHN, Interfaith Hospitality Network, in both Johnson City and Kingsport, since we're kind of in the middle between the two. Um, and so we end up um, several times a month doing activities through IHN and support. And then we take up a fifth Sunday uh, offering, which goes this year is going to one of those causes. Uh, and then in the past, we started donating to a, a to Kiva that reinvest money um, in, in supporting women and in getting uh, their small businesses started. And so we've kept that going as well. Um, the um, You and I always walk in the Martin Luther King parade together. We have a lot of intersections. We welcome <laughs> together. I know Michael Dowd, the evolutionary That's right. uh, evangelist, and his wife, Connie Barlow, talk about evolution. We That's Martin right. Luther King parade. That's right. The United Religions and, Initiative and Green Interfaith Network. We're all in, involved in those things together. That's right. It, it's true. And I also, I, I think I'll just put this out here since you mentioned Michael Dowd, too. I uh, And I know you do, too. We both do an Evolution Sunday mm -hmm. in February, uh, the Sunday closest to uh, Darwin's birthday. Um, and in our tradition, our faith tradition, we very strongly feel that science and religion do not work against each other. To me, science is just, every time we discover something in science, we're learning more about how the holy and sacred operates in this world. It's, it's not separate. It's not different. Um, so I have I have no problem, nor does I, I am sure there is no one in our church that doesn't support uh, evolution theory. Yeah. And yeah, that's one of our biggest Sundays, actually. And so yes. it is an important. It's an important thing as people think it's, it's the opposite from that. And, that's and it's right. Important. right. Um, I'm, this is a religion for life, and I'm speaking with Reverend Jacqueline Luck, minister at Holston Valley Unitarian Universalist Church, talking about Unitarian Universalism. And what? Could you tell me a little about your own journey? You didn't grow up. A Unitarian, did you? No, I didn't. I grew up Methodist, and I was that little kid that woke mommy and daddy up every Sunday morning to take her to church, drop her off, and okay. I don't know what that was about. I think, truthfully, I guess I'd say I think I felt called all my life. It was something deep and important in my life, always. And I always taught uh, the, the children, the adults, the whatever. I, I was a teacher before I was a minister anyway. I was an art teacher. Um, I think truly that was even an expression of being called to the ministry and not being aware that women could be ministers at the time. Um, so, mm -hmm. but um, I just, uh, I, I truly think I just kind of evolved. Uh, there's no wounding, no, I have no hard feelings toward the Methodist Church, uh, you know, nothing. I just kind of grew to Unitarian Universalist theology, and uh, it became clear to me when um, uh, someone said to me there was a new minister coming, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, coming to Shreveport and that he was at the Unitarian Church. I said, where in the world is that? I have been driving past it every day. Most most Unitarians are tree huggers. And uh -huh. so we always have these trees all around our, our churches. <laughs> And this one was behind the trees, as, as so many are. Anyway, uh, I just went to hear him. 
out of curiosity. And I had an experience that so many Unitarian Universalists will tell you, and that is I was sitting there going, this is what I've been looking for all my life. Hmm. This, is, this is it. And it was that quick. Um, and I just uh, I changed churches uh, immediately. Um, it took my, the rest of my family a little bit longer to make that transition, but it, uh, I just knew that I had found the right place. And then not long after that, you decided to go into the ministry? Um, I, that was in, uh, let's see, about 14 years later okay. that I went into the ministry or decided to go in the ministry, which was a really hard decision for me. Um, I was um, definitely middle-aged, a little past that, and teaching and had a lot of job security and friends and family all around. I owned my own home. I had my had raised my I have four sons I had raised them one the last one and one uh, had just gone to college and I started having this really intense feeling of being called to the ministry and um, it took me two years to kind of say okay yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll do that it was Mm -hmm. um, for one thing uh, I had always avoided speaking in front of people and it was like, how in the world can I think I'm called to the That's ministry? Now it's your central job. <laughs> now it's my central job, right. and I've gotten much more comfortable with it, but it doesn't come naturally. But anyway, I, I, you know, Scott Peck said one time in something I was reading, he was very influential in my life. Uh, he said, uh, you know it's a true call when your response is, oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. want to do that. Right. Now you've been just, and you've been at this congregation now. This is your first congregation, isn't it? No, I was. No. I served in Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay, it's your second congregation. That's right. Okay, and you've been here for about five years. Yes, okay. I'm in my fifth year. In Mississippi, I was. I served actually two congregations. I was in Jackson with a very social justice-minded congregation that was started during the civil rights era, as many of our congregations were, and uh, a universalist congregation in. Um, I'll say Laurel. It's in such a small place, nobody knows where it is. Laurel, Mississippi. Um, And they celebrated their 100th anniversary while I was there. And they called themselves Our Home Universalist Unitarian uh, uh, Congregation. So when they came into the Association of Congregations, they chose to honor the universalist part first, which I think is quite nice. I'm speaking with uh, Jacqueline Luck. Reverend Jacqueline Luck, who is the minister of the Holston Valley Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Gray, and this is Religion for Life, and we're just about out of time. So can you tell us a little bit how, to, how we could find your congregation? Yes, of course. Um, one is on the website, uh, we, Holston Valley UU Church, hvuuc.org. Um, the, like I said, it's on Bob Job Road. You would take Eastern Star off of I-26 and on to Bob Job to come around. Um, you can email me at minister at hvuc.org. Uh, the worship service is at 11. We have at 930, we're having religious education for both our children and the adults at that time. So anyone is welcome to come for either or both of those times. Reverend Luck, thank you. Jacqueline, thank you so much. I'm so glad to to have you come and talk with us on Religion for Life. Thank you very much, John. You've been listening to Religion for Life. 
a program at the intersection of religion and public life and religion and social justice. I'm Reverend John Schuck, minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. The congregation's website is www.fpcelizabethton.org, and you can go there for podcasts, fpcelizabethton.org. And you can also find out more about this program and other things at my blog, shuckandjive.org. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM Emory, Virginia. Be well. <laughs>